0: chapter 22 part 2 of the betrothed this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by martin geeson the betrothed by alessandro manzoni chapter 22 part 2 in federigo as archbishop was apparent a remarkable and constant carefulness to devote to himself no more of his wealth his time his care in short of his whole self than was absolutely necessary he said as everybody says that ecclesiastical revenues are the patrimony of the poor how he showed he understood such a maxim in reality will be evident from this fact he caused an estimate to be taken of the sum required for his own expenditure and that of those in his personal service and being told that six hundred scudi would be sufficient scudo was at that time the name of a golden coin which retaining the same weight and value was afterwards called a zecchino he gave orders that this sum should annually be set apart out of his patrimonial estate for the expenses of the table so sparing and scrupulous was he in his personal outlay that he was careful never to leave off a dress which was not completely worn out uniting however as was recorded by contemporary writers to this habit of simplicity that of singular neatness to remarkable qualities in fact in this age of ostentation and uncleanliness that nothing again might be wasted of the remnants of his frugal table he assigned them to a hospital for the poor one of whom came daily by his orders to the dining-apartment to gather up all that remained such instances of economy might perhaps suggest the idea of a close parsimonious over-careful virtue of a mind wrapped up in attention to minutiae and incapable of elevated designs were it not for the ambrosian library still standing which federigo projected with such noble magnificence and executed from the foundations upwards with such munificent liberality to supply which with books and manuscripts besides the presentation of those he had already collected with great labour and expense he sent eight of the most learned and experienced men he could find To make purchases throughout italy france spain germany flanders greece lebanon and jerusalem by this means he succeeded in gathering together about thirty thousand printed volumes and fourteen thousand manuscripts to this library he united a college of doctors nine in number at first and maintained at his charge while he lived. Afterwards, the ordinary income not sufficing for this expense, they were reduced to two. Their office was to cultivate various branches of study, theology, history, polite literature, and the oriental languages, obliging each one to publish some work on the subject assigned to him. To this he also added a college, which he called Trilingue, for the study of Greek, Latin, and Italian languages, a college of pupils, for instruction in these several faculties and languages, that they might become professors in their turn, a printing office for the Oriental languages, for Hebrew, that is to say, Chaldaic, Arabic, Persian, and Armenian a gallery of paintings another of statues and a school for the three principal arts of design for these last he could find professors already existing but as to the rest we have seen the trouble it cost him to collect books and manuscripts undoubtedly it would be more difficult to meet with types in those languages then much less cultivated in europe than they are at present and still more difficult than types would be men who understood them suffice it to say that out of nine professors eight were taken from among the young pupils of the seminary from which circumstance we may infer what was his opinion of the schools then established and the celebrity gained in those days an opinion agreeing with that which posterity seems to have formed of them by suffering both one and the other to sink into oblivion in the regulations which he left for the use and government of the library a provision for perpetual utility is conspicuous not only admirable in itself but in many particulars judicious and elegant far beyond the general ideas and habits of the age he required the librarian to keep up a correspondence with the most learned men in europe that he might have information of the state of science and intelligence of the best works on any subject that should be published and immediately purchase them he gave him in charge to point out to the students those works which might assist them in their designs and ordered that the advantages of consulting the works here preserved should be open to all whether citizens or strangers such a regulation will now appear quite natural one and the same thing with the founding of a library but in those days it was not so in a history of the ambrosian library written with the precision and elegance usual in that age by one pierpaolo bosca a librarian after the death of federigo it is expressly noted as a remarkable fact that in this library built by a private individual almost entirely at his own expense the books were accessible to the view of all and brought to any one who should demand them with liberty to sit down and study them and the provision of pen ink and paper to take notes while in some other celebrated public libraries in italy the volumes were not only not visible but concealed in closets where they were never disturbed except when the humanity as he says of the presidents prompted them sometimes to display them for a moment as to accommodation and conveniences for study provided for those who frequented it they had not the least idea of such a thing so that to furnish such libraries was to withdraw books from the use of the public one of those means of cultivation many of which were and still are employed that only serve to render the soil more sterile it were useless to inquire what were the effects of this foundation of borromeo on public education it would be easy enough to demonstrate in two words according to the general method of demonstration that they were miraculous or that they were nothing but to investigate and explain up to a certain point what they really were would be a work of much difficulty little advantage and somewhat ill-timed rather let us think what a generous judicious benevolent persevering lover of the improvement of mankind he must have been who planned such an undertaking who planned it on so grand a scale and who executed it in the midst of ignorance inertness and general contempt of all studious application and consequently in spite of what does it matter and there's something else to think about and what a fine invention and this was certainly wanting and similar remarks which undoubtedly will have been more in number than the scudi expended by him in the undertaking amounting to a hundred and five thousand the greatest part of his property to style such a man beneficent and liberal in a high degree it would be unnecessary perhaps that he should have spent much in the immediate relief of the needy and there are besides many in whose opinion expenditure of the character we have described and indeed i may say all expenditure is the best and more beneficial almsgiving but in federigo's opinion almsgiving properly speaking was a paramount duty and here as in everything else his actions were in accordance with his principles his life was one continual overflowing charity on occasion of this very scarcity to which our story has already alluded we shall have presently to relate several traits which will exhibit the judgment and delicacy he knew how to employ even in his liberality of the many remarkable examples which his biographers have recorded of this virtue we will here cite but one having heard that a certain nobleman was using artifices and compulsion to force into a convent one of his daughters who wished rather to be married he had an interview with her father and drawing from him the acknowledgment that the true motive of this oppression was the want of four thousand scudi which according to his idea were necessary towards marrying his daughter suitably federigo immediately presented the required dowry some may perhaps think this an extravagant act of bounty not well judged and too condescending to the foolish caprices of a vain nobleman and that four thousand scudi might have been better employed in this or that manner to which we have nothing to answer excepting that it were devoutly to be wished that one could more frequently see excesses of a virtue so unfettered by prevailing opinion every age has its own and so free from the general tendency as in this instance that must have been which induced a man to give four thousand scudi that a young person might not be made a nun the inexhaustible charity of this man appeared not only in his almsgiving but in his whole behaviour easy of access to all he considered a cheerful countenance and an affectionate courtesy particularly due to those in the lower ranks of life and the more so in proportion as they were little thought of by the world here therefore he had to combat with the gentlemen of the ne quid nimis school who were anxious to keep him within limits i e within their limits one of these on occasion of a visit to a wild and mountainous country when federigo was teaching some poor children and during the interrogations and instruction was fondly caressing them besought him to be more cautious in handling such children as they were dirty and repelling as if the worthy gentleman supposed that federigo had not discernment enough to make the discovery or acumen enough to suggest this recondite counsel for himself such in certain circumstances of times and things is the misfortune of men exalted to high stations that while they so seldom find any one to inform them of their failings there is no lack of persons courageous enough to reprove them for doing right but the good bishop not without anger replied they are my lambs and perhaps may never again see my face and would you not have me caress them very seldom however did he exhibit any anger being admired for his mild and imperturbable gentleness of behaviour which might be attributed to an extraordinarily happy temperament of mind while in truth it was the effect of constant discipline over a naturally hasty and passionate disposition if ever he showed himself severe nay even harsh it was towards those pastors under his authority whom he discovered guilty of avarice or negligence or any other conduct opposed to the spirit of their high vocation upon what might affect his own interest or temporal glory he never betokened either joy regret eagerness or anxiety wonderful indeed if these emotions were not excited in his mind more wonderful if they were not only in the many conclaves at which he assisted did he acquire the reputation of having never aspired to that lofty post so desirable to ambition and so terrible to piety but on one occasion when a colleague who possessed considerable influence came to offer him his vote and those of his so alas it was termed faction, Federigo refused the proposal in such a manner that his friend immediately abandoned the idea, and turned his views elsewhere. This same humility, this dread of pre-eminence, was equally apparent in the more common occurrences of life careful and indefatigable in ordering and governing everything where he considered it his duty to do so he always shrank from intruding into the affairs of others and even when solicited refused if possible to interfere discretion and temperance far from common as everybody knows in men as zealous in the cause of good as federigo was were we to allow ourselves to prosecute the pleasing task of collecting together the remarkable points in his character the result would certainly be a complication of virtues in apparent opposition to each other and assuredly difficult to find combined we cannot however omit to notice one more excellency in his excellent life replete as it was with action government functions instruction audiences diocesan visitations journeys and controversies he not only found time for study but devoted as much to this object as a professor of literature would have required indeed among many other and various titles of commendation he possessed in a high degree among his contemporaries that of a man of learning we must not however conceal that he held with firm persuasion and maintained in fact with persevering constancy some opinions which in the present day would appear to every one rather singular than ill founded even to such as would be anxious to consider them sound for any one who would defend him on this head there is the current and commonly received excuse that they were the errors of the age rather than his own an excuse to say the truth which when it results from the minute consideration of facts may be valid and significant but which generally applied in the usual naked way and as we must do in this instance comes in the end to mean exactly nothing at all and besides not wishing to resolve complicated questions with simple formulae we will venture to leave this unsolved resting satisfied with having thus cursorily mentioned that in a character so admirable as a whole we do not pretend to affirm that every particular was equally so lest we should seem to have intended making a funeral oration we shall not be doing injustice to our readers to suppose that some of them may inquire whether this person has left any monument of so much talent and erudition whether he has left any the works remaining from him great and small latin and italian published and manuscript amount to about a hundred volumes preserved in the library he himself founded moral treatises discourses dissertations on history sacred and profane antiquities literature arts and various other subjects and however does it happen this inquirer may ask that so many works are forgotten or at least so little known so little sought after how is it that with such talents such learning such experience of men and things such profound thought such a sense of the good and the beautiful such purity of mind and so many other qualities which constitute the elegant author how is it out of a hundred works he has not left even one to be considered excellent by those who approve not of the whole and to be known by title even by those who have never read it how is it that all of them together have not sufficed at least by their number to procure for his name a literary fame among posterity the inquiry is undoubtedly reasonable and the question sufficiently interesting because the reasons of this phenomenon are to be found or at least must be sought for in many general facts and when found would lead to the explanation of other similar phenomena but they would be many and prolix and what if they should not prove satisfactory If they should make the reader turn away in disgust, so that it will be better to resume our walk through the story, and instead of digressing more at length on the character of this wonderful man, proceed to observe him in action under the conduct of our anonymous author. End of chapter twenty two part 2 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey